Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am interviewing my friend, Alex Cusis, who wrote the book, Truth Wins, Love Matters. It is a memoir of choosing faith over fear in the face of false accusations. Now, I know Alex in real life, and I was actually in communication with her when she was in the process of of going through all of this. And when we were talking about it, it was blowing my mind, but I only knew a small snippet of it. After reading her book and interviewing her, I cannot believe that one person had to endure all of this. Alex was wrongfully accused of sexually mishandling a child in her care. It was all lies. But even though it was untrue and it was all a lie, she still had to go through almost three years of working to prove her innocence. And it's not just the time that she lost, right? Going through a process like this also costs a lot of money. So in her book, she shines a light on our judicial system and how something like this can happen and what it's like to go through this. And I tell everyone when I talk about this book, I say, I know Alex. And since I know her, I understand that this could happen to any one of us. There is nothing saying that there's a, there won't be a knock on your door and it's the police and they're telling you that you need to come down with them to the police station. And then all of a sudden, three years later, you finally get yourself out of the debacle. So without further ado, I will let Alex tell the story and everything that went through her mind, but you must read this book, Truth Wins, Love Matters by Alex Cusis. That is K-U-I-S-I-S. And this is how it all starts. Just so you know, because I'm in love with this story, you guys. This book, I could not put it down There she was, I believe it was a Thursday night, getting ready to go to a concert with a friend that was visiting from out of town. There was a knock on the door and it was the police. And they're like, you need to come with us. And she says, well, I can't, we're going to a concert. And they're like, you're not going anywhere except downtown to the police station with us. And so she tells her friend and her husband, okay, you guys, I'm just gonna go clear this up. I'll meet you down there at the concert but it took almost three years to clear up. So this is, you know, this is not a lot of the same stuff that we talk about on Far From Perfect, but this is real life. This is a story. And this is about how your mindset and how your thoughts can help you get through something like this. So enjoy this podcast and please get the book, Truth Wins, Love Matters. Welcome back to Far From Perfect, everyone. I am here with my dear friend, Alex Cusis, who has written the most riveting book I have ever read in my life. It's called Truth Matters and Love Wins. It is a best-selling book. And I was just telling Alex, I cannot believe that she lived through this. So Alex, this is a memoir of yours. That's right. You lived through this, I would call it a hell. I would too. (laughs) I was going to say, did you call, I mean, did you feel like you were in your own personal hell when you were going through this? Yes, I definitely did. It felt, um, 
I mean, kind of crazy making because mm-hmm. I knew it was not true. Mm-hmm. And, and yet I could, I could like see all the obstacles to trying to get everyone else, like, you know, the police and a jury and all that to also know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it, th- those were some dark days. So for those of you who have yet to read the book, this book is about Alex being wrongfully accused of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And if you know, see, and I don't know if I love the book so much because I know you in real life and I cannot believe this happened, but I honestly think I would still be so connected to it, even if I didn't know you, because I just can't imagine being accused of something especially sexual abuse, like, I don't know, as a female, but I understand that happens when it absolutely did not happen. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I have a, uh, my background is in early childhood education mm-hmm. and I have babysat and nannied and worked in preschools and worked in for, as a first grade teacher. I mean, that my, I've worked with literally hundreds, mm-hmm. hundreds of children throughout the years. Um, both my degree, my undergrad and my graduate school degree are in early childhood education. And it's, I'm trained, you know, and it's, that was, I think a lot of people um, in the field recognized how easily that kind of confusion can happen. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I had a lot of educators reach out to me. Some I know, some I don't. Yeah. Um, And to your point, Kylie, people who know me, people who know me and walked the path with me were just like flabbergasted from the beginning. They were like hard no, like I 100%. People I know who didn't know anything about it, who read about it later were like, oh, hard no. And people I've never met before. I've been, so many people have reached out to me that I don't know. It continues to happen. It happened a couple of weeks ago. who read the book or hear about the story or a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. Uh, And, and again, to your point, they're like, I was right there with you. Like I, I have some Amazon reviews. One woman said, I laughed with her. I cried with her. I'm just as in love with her husband as she is. (laughs) So I really do think the tale, um, I mean, it's oddly specific what happened to me. And yet there seem to be a lot of threads that people can pick up and be like, Ooh, I feel that. Well, and so one of the most interesting, ironic things to me, and I did not know this about you is that you had been sexually, is it abused or assaulted? Does it, does it make a difference? I don't know that it makes a difference. Um, I, I kind of phrase it as mishandled. Okay. When I was very young. Um, How old were you? I was about four. So this is what I was curious about. How did these memories come up? Did you remember like when you were five or were you? I always knew. I always knew. I never forgot. (laughs) It wasn't something that like came back to me after, you know, in college or anything like that. Like I always knew. Uh, And I, I never told my parents. Mm -hmm. That was sort of the one of one of the like crux of the situation of how I ended up where I did Mm -hmm. all those years later. Um, But I knew, I mean, I was told not to tell my parents. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't because I, you know, wanted to be compliant. I wanted to be a good girl. 
and, and, you know, that type of thing. And I mean, this was a babysitter who was, she wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't a grown up. Yeah. She was just like a teenage kid, basically. Um, she went to the same grade school that I went to and then had, you know, the Catholic grade school. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, she was not that, like I said, she was not like some malicious pedophile. You know, I don't know what she became. Don't get me wrong. I totally right. lost track of her. Um, but yeah, she was just like some hurting child herself yeah. who was then hurting me. Yeah. I, I mean, it does make you wonder what, what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I can see makes- her. Yeah. Like I can see her in my mind's eye. I know exactly what she looked like. And I kind of remember, I know her name, but not her full last name. It was like some long Polish last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I have no idea like where she got off to. And so the story really begins then with you explaining this to the children that you are caring for per the request of the mom. That's right. So can you, can you just explain that to people again? Okay. How did I, how did Alex get in this situation? Yeah. So, uh, the mom was one of my best friends and I was, a, a integral part of their family at that point. I had lived with them. They had invited me to live th- with them when I had a living situation that just sort of exploded mm-hmm. and I was already buddies with them. I was a teacher at the preschool where their kids went and they offered they said, come live with us, like rent free, but you'll help with the kids uh, just to get your, like, your feet back under you. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful. And I lived with them for about a year. And I did. I really helped raise those little girls. Um, and that was about the time of my, I was in therapy and stuff, you know, just for life. Right. <laughs> and uh, started talking about my situation with a therapist. And shared it with the mom, who is Ivy in the book. Um, and again, that that part, she was like, I'm just, my mind is blown because you have such a good relationship with your parents and you speak so fondly about your childhood. Mm-hmm. And yet this happened and you never told your parents. And she's like, that blows my mind that I think I have a good relationship with my kids and something like this could be happening right underneath my nose. She said, would you share your story with my girls uh, so that they are just, you know, they have another point of reference. She's like, we've talked to them about body safety and everything, but will you as well? Making sure they know they can come to you as another person, if ever. So I literally had, and I had to think about it. I was like, ooh, like I, my parents still don't know at that point. Um, this isn't something that I'm like, you know, throwing out at happy hour conversations. Like right. this is still something I'm like learning to articulate. Uh, but I thought about it and I said, yeah, okay. Your, your kid's safety is important to me too. Mm-hmm. And so I did have a conversation with, with the girls and I told them what happened to me and I, you know, made them promise as it were, like if anything like that ever were to happen to you, even one time, like it's so important that you say something because that's never okay. I mean, I gave them the whole, you know, rigmarole around body safety, 
which is something my lawyer, you know, years later was like, it just doesn't make sense <laughs> that you would be saying that to them and being the, like, it just, it doesn't match. It doesn't None match. of it makes sense. No. No. How old were those girls when you told them about your, your story? Um, so they're pretty close in age. They're maybe like 18 months apart. Uh, and so they were like in the eight to 10 range, Sure, mm-hmm. eight to 10 years old or so. Well, and that's the thing. That's what makes the books just so wild too, is that none of it makes sense, but that didn't not take three years from your life. Like how long did this whole process take? It was, it was two years one month and 29 days, <laughs> roughly. Um, it started on a Thursday and it ended on a Wednesday, which I think is so funny. So it was like an X amount of perfect weeks. Oh gosh. Um, and honestly, that's, I toyed around with writing this as a novel mm-hmm. instead of a memoir, just to completely sidestep any, you know, legal stickiness or anything like that. I even have a whole version on my computer where it's a it's a novel it reads as, as that and ultimately came back to the memoir because I was like if I read this as a novel I would be like what is this author doing like this has never happened there's so many plot holes and like unanswered questions like what is this and so I said it's like straight it's like that you know the truth is sometimes stranger than fiction yeah oh yes and the phrase you can't make this shit up you know <laughs> it really was just there was so much that was just wackadoo about it that I, I ultimately decided that a memoir was the way to go. Absolutely. Well, so so she shares her story with these two girls, but then one of the girls comes forward and adopts the story as her own. Years later. Yeah. Yep. You were on your way. You guys, this is what blows my mind. Alex is just going about her daily life because she's just a normal person. She's just like you and me, like just a gal best friend in town, going to go to a concert, knock, knock, knock on the door and the police are there Yeah, to arrest yeah. you. Yes. What the yeah. fuck? I mean, yeah. The, yeah. What, what went through your mind? Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought like, oh, I'll just go have this conversation and we'll be a little late to the concert. <laughs> like this is clearly a mix up. Uh-huh. They wouldn't tell me who was making, they wouldn't even tell me they wouldn't tell me exactly what the accusation was or who was making it. Okay. Um, but they said they could take me either to the detective who sent them mm-hmm. and he would be able to tell me, or I could go straight to jail. Those are my, the two choices. They told me the house was surrounded. They told me like, as soon as they got me out of the house, they wouldn't let me back in. Um, and so they handcuffed me and took me. And I was literally like, racking my brain (laughs) to figure out like where did this mix-up come from and I heard a little voice in you know in the back of my head that was like just go because at first my husband and I both were like arguing with them I was like well no my friend's in town we're like literally on our way out the door she's downstairs changing we're going and they're like you're not going anywhere or unless you come with us yeah and uh and so yeah I 100% thought that I would just, just get this straightened out. And this little yeah. voice said, go, because when are you ever going to be able to see like this side of this system again? This is not, these are not, you know, they're not the circles I run in. They're not the kind of life I lead. Right. Like, 
Well, and that's the whole thing too. I can imagine, okay, I can imagine the police knocking on my door. Okay, maybe I'm falsely accused of something. Okay, but just like you, oh, let's just go clear this up real mm-hmm. quick. I'll meet you guys as soon as I'm done. Yep. Except that's not what happens. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, I spent a couple nights in jail mm-hmm. and was out, then was released on bail, um, $50,000 bail. And they put an ankle bracelet on me mm-hmm. and they like sent me home and uh, with, you know, my next court date on the calendar. And then that, again, that was so September 1st is when they showed up at my house, uh, 2016. And then it, then it ended at the bottom of October of 2018. And it was just one court date after another. I mean, it's just it's insane you know that the right to a speedy trial they uh-huh. that, that's a thing but you like almost inevitably waive it mm-hmm. because you almost don't want a speedy trial like you the right to one is great mm-hmm. um but you need to get it right yeah. like you like rush into that like it was sort of like we're gonna need to just sort of see what this is what even is this story mm-hmm. um what are we working with here yeah because this on paper isn't right and so what is the and that's what I kept asking the detective that very initial (laughs) at least you know he had the decency years later to admit it on stand yeah he really he didn't try and be like no I did everything right he was just like yeah yeah no 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 but I I said to him like where did this conversation take place that this accusation came to be like Mm -hmm. and he was like that's not important and I was like, well, it kind of is because <laughs> I'm curious what led up to this particular, because it's not true. Yeah. And so I'm dying just to know like what, I haven't seen these people at that point. I hadn't seen them in two or three years. We'd had two a, or three years after the fact of you caring for their children, this comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, I write about my theories, what I think happened and how I think this sort of came to be Mm -hmm. um, twisted like this, but it's just, there's so many bits and pieces along the way, like that, like Ivy, the alleged best friend, Mm -hmm. um, saying she never knew about my childhood abuse. Yeah. When she asked you to tell your, her children about it. And we had it in writing and that was the clencher right there it wasn't just like my memory against her memory it was my memory with proof Mm -hmm. against her memory that she was then show you know oh I guess I did know she says on stand um whoops yeah and any way you slice that like you're either lying right now in this awful situation which is gross yeah or you genuinely don't remember that your best friend shared her story of abu- abuse, which is also gross. Okay. Like what a terrible friend you are to have just be like, oh yeah, whoops. I, I just, it's, yeah. So yeah. The, 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 there's so many things that like are sticking out to me. Number one, okay, you are absolutely innocent. Two years, nine weeks, however long later, even though you were innocent, this still was a huge financial strain oh, yeah. on you. 
So even if you're innocent, you're, it's not like you get free attorneys and free Mm -mm. ankle bracelets. Mm -mm. That's what, like, what if someone doesn't have the resources? They plea out. Oh my God. They'll take the plea. I was offered like five or six different plea Mm -hmm. agreements. And by the end, my lawyer was like, this is incredible. Like you don't see these kind of plea deals. And I was like, I am not interested. I would rather go to trial and have a jury decide that I go to jail for the rest of my life, which is what I was up against. um, And be able to look myself in the eye. Mm -hmm. Then take some deal and have to go through like, you know, the, the therapy and be on a list and have to petition to be, I was like, no, that none of that, none of that is, I'm not available for any of that. No, I love that so much. And she writes about all these offers in the book. And each time she's like, I respectfully decline or whatever else you say. And you're like, whatever your lawyer's name was, I'm not taking a plea, which of course not. You absolutely did not do this. Right. But if that is why Exactly. I have so much privilege and mm-hmm. not only financial resources, but familial yeah. resources. Yeah. I had, you know, my parents, my aunt, my, I mean, my friends, I just, yes. there were it, it so much privilege just oozing out of every corner of my life. And, um, had it not been for that, it, mm-hmm. it perhaps would have been a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, lawyers do not come cheap. You can have a, a, a public defender, but that is like a that's that it's just like a risk. You're yeah. taking a risk there, and um, yeah. So it was because of my privilege that I had the option. Really, mm-hmm. um, it's something like I, I have it in the book, and I researched it. So those, those numbers are right right now. I'm going to spitball, but it's something like, um, 94% of Colorado trials or, or, uh, Colorado guilty, pleas come from plea deals, not from trials. Wow. The DAs, if everybody said, no, I'm going to trial, it would be impossible mm. to actually have that many trials. They rely on those plea deals to get their guilty wins. Well, and that was the, that was the other thing I learned besides your remarkable story. I realized the holes in our judicial system, like, mm. you know, the whole thing you talk about, you are not innocent until proven guilty no. you are the other way around. Yep. I mean, you are living proof of that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So, and maybe this is not a question for you, but like, is, is someone working on this? Is this something, how do we help this situation? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are nonprofits okay. that are working on various aspects of that. Some are, uh, one that I actually took a, a shine to um, is one called Proclaim Justice. Mm-hmm. And they're out of Texas. I had been at a concert in Texas a few weeks before this happened um, in August of 2016. And before the concert started, they had like video reels going of this nonprofit and the work they're doing. They're working to get wrongfully convicted people, not just accused, but convicted people out of prison. Uh So 
paying to have lawyer, you know, reopen cases and to have, and, and they're being, they're successful. They mm-hmm. have, you know, wins on their side and there are the innocent project is another one. I do list some of them in the book mm-hmm. uh, resources. It is really difficult for the average citizen to be like, I'm going to change this. I mean, yeah. it is like, and really, honestly, I know this is like kind of a broken record statement in this day and age, but it matters who you vote for. Like voting for judges is not something I've ever paid attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, voting for DAs. Is, I don't never look up a DA's record. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because now I'm like super curious about that kind of thing. Um, and that those are ways that things get changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that DA had no business taking this case no. as far as they did. They, um, I mean, and that's, you know, like spoiler alert, I'm standing here today, but, right, right. but uh, I went through a whole trial because mm-hmm. I stood my ground mm-hmm. and there were seven charges. I was acquitted of two of them. Five of them were a hung jury, um, 11 to one in my favor, which is just like infuriating, but what so infuriating, where is that person? I know, I know. I'm like, which one was it? I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and the DAs decided they were going to retry the five. That is what got me. I, in it, that's kind of what got me too. It was that summer of 2000. The, trial was in April of 18 and then it was reslated for like rescheduled for October of 18 and that summer I was it was I mean you know I I kind of said earlier it was a crazy making situation that was the worst stretch of all Mm -hmm. um because I am you know going into this like metaphysical kind of place and being like, what does the universe need me to learn? Yeah. Cause it's not, I, I don't have to atone for what is on paper here. This is not right. mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, just being like, I don't get it. I don't mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. And that is when that summer is when they did the investigation. Well, they picked the wrong person because nobody keeps records. <laughs> Like Miss Alex Cusis. Like, right. so you guys, in the, first off, you, you must read this book, but she's talking, you have a record of like every single weekend, mm-hmm. pictures, activities. Yep. I mean, they don't even know because organization is kind of your thing. Yeah. And you had all this, like your case was made by you. Yes. Yes. And, and my, I, I made what I called my box of proof mm-hmm. and it was my idea. And at first my lawyer was like, I don't even know what, what? And I was like, just let me, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this because I have this feeling because I am, I'm a, like I say in the book, I say something like I'm a, a collector of memories or something. I keep ticket stubs. I keep um, everything. I mean, just everything. <laughs> and I wrote a blog for like a decade and I, just about my personal journeys. And so I had stories there and just everything. And so I started compiling all of it and had a a file box. And for every weekend, because there were things that my accuser specified, Mm -hmm. she said, you know, these instances only happened when I was alone at her house. Mm -hmm. 
And so just like whittling through and the kids did sleepovers at my house all the time. That was a super common thing, just like I slept at their house all the time. Mm -hmm. So whittling through and finding out, okay, plus I moved a lot. I moved like every 10 minutes. You did. I did. (laughs) And so figuring out where is she talking about? When is she talking about? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the time frame she's saying? And then going back through my pictures and memories and, and being able to determine that like this, there was, there was one single night mm-hmm. during the entire time period that she named. And she said it happened like a handful of times. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there was one single night that it, there was even the possibility. Wild. And so once my lawyer like got a, handle on what exactly I was showing through these, you know, diaries and and ticket stubs and everything. He was like, keep going. Awesome. So yeah, I I file boxed like Mm -hmm. years beyond what she even was naming as the time period. Also your social calendar, you do things (laughs) like, I was like, so I put, I was putting myself in your shoes the whole time. Like, Oh boy, this would be a much more boring book. I'd be like, so I was at home watching TV that night. I was also at home watching TV that night. (laughs) It was, it really did burst for a while there. That was like in my, that was right before um, I met my husband. And Uh so I was just like, and right. And then, you know, I moved to Hawaii and California for a while. And then, so I was back in, in Colorado and so happy for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did have like a bustling social life at that period. <laughs> well, and, and so let's talk a little bit more about you and how you made it through this because you went through this, like, I feel a huge like, spiritual experience. You did the work between the therapy and the Reiki. And I mean, of, of, I'm sure everybody wants to work with that one woman that you worked with that could see your past and everything. Can you talk a little bit about the tools and the people that you leaned on through this process? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because that was a fundamental piece of, you know, my, my quote unquote success. Yeah. Um, and I recognized that from the very start, mm-hmm. like from literally when I was in jail for those two nights, I was going, I was meditating in my cell. I was picturing, visualizing. I was repeat, like I saw a courtroom in my mind's eye and I was hearing the words, not guilty, not guilty. Um, over and over because I understand I've been a, a student of that kind of thing already, and I credit that with uh, a lot of what kept me afloat was that I already had these practices in place. I was already like keen on taking care of myself on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level, mm-hmm. um, so that when life came and pulled the rug out from under me which I believe everybody experiences at some point in their life. It doesn't always look like police knocking on your door, Mm -hmm. but something happens to all of us at some point. Mm -hmm. And you can't plan for that kind of stuff. Uh, You can't specifically plan for that, but you can plan for a a solid self-care game, if you will, to have all that already in place so that you can stand on your feet when the world is falling away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't, I'd worked with Saida before, uh, that's the, the, my spiritual advisor is kind of how I reference her. Um, 
in the past kind of like for funsies she yeah. had you know been introduced a friend of mine knew her friend of a friend kind of thing my friend mentioned me in a passing conversation and Saida said back up who is that I, that you said her name and like I started getting images and messages and would she be open to talking to me and this was when I lived in California oh my and God. so my friend calls me and I was like yeah hell yeah I'll talk to her super interested in that kind of stuff and so that's how I began my relationship with Saida um and then I hadn't spoken to her in I mean maybe like the better part of a year at all when that happened and I knew reaching out to her because again, support, I just, I innately understood the value of, you know, my lawyer was like, just lay low. And I'm like, I don't even, I can't even comprehend the meaning of that. Like, I'm not going to be out getting out there and doing news stories or anything like, but I am going to reach out to people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was very adamant from the beginning with all the people too. I said, I don't want anybody like throwing shade or, or ugliness or negativity because personally, I'm such a believer in what you put out is what comes back. Yes. And I said, I feel so strongly that if we just send love in that direction, the love will bounce back mm-hmm. and whatever that other side is sending out this ugliness and this pain Mm -hmm. that's what they'll get back um and i that's none of my business Mm -hmm. you know like i'm here clearly something's happening here because i'm some i don't know like there there's there's a some kind of need for me to be part of this story so that we all get our souls like lessons and evolution and whatever here and i'm not going to say okay, this is true because I used to love, you know, the child who is saying it, I am going to stand up for myself, but I'm going to do it with an energy that I want around me. I spent so much time um, over those years pouring through, I mean, you know, per my lawyer's instructions, pouring over pictures, trying Mm -hmm. to get like, again, like proof of where I was or when I was with them or, you know, all these things. And it was such a joyful activity mm-hmm. because I was reliving. I know that that relationship was loving, mm-hmm. was, you know, pure. It was all things good. Yep. And I mean, I loved and I cared for and I protected those children as if they were my own. And they took all that away from themselves. Yep. They look at pictures now and they've decided that something ugly went on. And I still have all the joy. Yeah. Well, I love how you talk about that in the book too. You never say, I mean, you approach all of this with love and kindness. Like and you want, we don't know why she did this, why she made the story up. I mean, you have your theories, right? but you're not like, I can't, I hate her because she did this to me. Mm, like right. you just toss more love at her in hopes that, I mean, it, it is, where is she now? Do you know where she's at now? Um, not really. I, I, I have a few friends who not at my request yeah. kind of troll, not troll stock, I guess yeah. is a better word <laughs> All of them on social media. Yeah. Uh, the two girls, they're both in college. The girls are in college now. Um, and then the mom, 
So Loretta, Rose, and Ivy in the, in the book, uh, they both girls left Colorado mm -hmm. for school. Um, and that's kind of really all I know. Yeah. I, I, I don't follow up on them. Yeah. Um, I wish them well. Mm -hmm. I hope that they are able to forgive themselves yeah. if they ever really fully understand what they've done. Mm -hmm. um, I have forgiven them. I have forgiven everybody in the book because that's not for them. It's for me. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, you know, I had a lot of questions. People are like, are you going to sue them when this is over? They can't just drag your name through, you know, the mud like this because it really did. My name was everywhere. Like yeah. I, I haven't done it for years, but if you Google me, I'm pretty sure this is all that comes up. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I, I entertained it for like five seconds and I was like, no, <laughs> like that sounds You've been in court awful. for so long. Already. Yeah, it was like, that's just me sinking right here to their level of, yeah. and I mean, I'm not the only court case that family has been involved with. Like they, oh, uh, interesting. they're just, yeah, they're just, I don't, it, it sounds, it, they're just, they're kind of trashy. They're yeah. just like, they're just sort of the people who are like, I just, I just want someday for them or her to call you and be like, I'm sorry. I don't know if that would ever happen, but gosh, wouldn't that be nice? It, yes. And you know, a, a friend of mine who was a beta reader for me of the book, she just said, if you know, you talk about forgiveness and how you worked and it really was work and it still is work. Like I right. can still get like bent out of shape if I spend too much time being like, oh yeah uh, you know so it, it's still a, a practice um but my friend said something like if this child or this woman now you know ever does circle back and say like oops or whatever yeah she said you really would be modeling what unconditional love actually is yeah. like I I did love that child mm -hmm. both of them you know both of them I almost feel worse for the younger one for Rose so it was Loretta was the accuser and I almost feel worse for Rose because she's just like what like we were always together how did I not and so she now is carrying the burden of this falsehood that she like didn't protect her sister you know that never happened and she's like re-questioning everything and it's just like, listen, they effed their own selves up. Yeah. They just, yeah. And I feel badly, not, not in, because of anything I did, but I mean, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a really awful place to be. And like, that's what a bummer for them. What well, sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> and I just have to reiterate you guys, like this Alex could not be more normal person. Like this could literally happen to anyone. That's all I can think about is this could happen to anybody. If this could happen to you, there's no reason it couldn't happen to anyone. Yeah. Well, and, and then the hits keep coming. <laughs> so yes, Alex is going through this terrible, terrible like court case and being accused of something she absolutely did not do. She also was working at the time. But that was also not a great situation. No, it, when this happened initially, it was put all over the news. 
it was, so I was let go from contracts that I'd uh, been in. I'd been doing event planning for nonprofits Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting on boards of various schools and all of it fell away. All of it was like, Oh, bye-bye. Good luck to you. You know, they, everything got severed. And as we were already (laughs) saying, this is like not an inexpensive endeavor to undertake. And so we really were trying, like trying to figure out what the heck. And I did stumble upon uh, an offer of employment from a group that I was a part of uh, an online, like exercise, nutrition, fitness group. Mm -hmm. And after learning about my circumstances, um, the founder or whatever, the leader or whatever of the group offered me a position uh, to work for her virtually. And it felt in the moment I was like, I mean, it felt like a dream come true. Like, Mm -hmm. how could I possibly say no to that? Like I was, I hung, I remember hanging up and running outside where my husband was and being like, you are never going to believe what just happened. (laughs) And there was a lot that was like shiny and pretty about the position initially um, and I, I worked there the entire two years and, you know, 29 days or whatever, uh, that the situation was happening. And about six weeks in, I realized that this was like its own brand of hell. Mm. It was a really terrible, just when it, when it rains, it pours, right. that is sort of, I, I would kind of, you know, like cry laugh with my Mm -hmm. husband and say, how did I end up with the worst job of my life Mm -hmm. during the worst period of my life? Like what? Yeah. The paycheck's nice, but like, if I wasn't in that legal situation, Mm -hmm. I probably would have worked for that woman for those six weeks. And then I would have been like, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, I just sort of navigated it best I could for the full two years. And uh, yeah, and I, again, it like, it, you know, she knew about the situation. So I was able to just, I didn't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you're not there anymore. Amen. Amen. And I worked really hard when writing the book too, to kind of choose my words carefully there. Yeah. Um, because there were things that I, that, I was grateful for like the paycheck and I met really fabulous people through the experience, not her, but other people were really fabulous and I still have a lot of those friendships. So, so, I mean, Alex, how did you keep going? I think a lot of people, I don't know if anyone would be capable to handle this. Oh, of course they would. Yes, they would. You don't think, I mean, you hear about things like this. I mean, I think about, I hear about other tragic stories. I mean, my story was a trauma, but I don't know that I would necessarily call it a tragedy. Sure. Um, it was definitely heavy. And I, I speak to this at the beginning, the, there's an author's note at the beginning of the book where I say, you know, it's sometimes at the, on the other side, it's easy to be like, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like yeah. it, you know, and that would be doing a disservice to myself and the reader and like everyone involved. Cause it was a big honking deal. (laughs) That said, I did have the perspective, even when I was in it, that it really could be worse. I mean, it really could. I hear about other people, the tragedies other people go through. And I think, how do you get out of bed? Yeah. But you just do like, you just do part of it was 
you know, the, the, I don't know, I mean, like the competitiveness that I have that was like, oh, hell no. Like, I am not going down on your stupid lie. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to stick through this because screw you. Yep. Um, I mean, I wasn't, I did make a conscious effort to operate from love, but I did not stay there the whole time. Like yes. there was plenty of anger. There was plenty of pettiness, you know, lots of tear and just, it was, and, uh, yeah. So there was, there was a lot of anger mm-hmm. that was wrapped into that. And that kind of fueled me in yeah. a way, mm-hmm. like getting to the other side of it. Um, I presume then, like, no, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're innocent. So mm-hmm. I feel like you knowing that and your truth would also contribute mm-hmm. to that ability to fight. Yes. 100%. Like I said earlier, I, I mean, I, cause these plea deals just like, just kept coming and my lawyers were so insistent, like a couple of them, they treated as if like, I mean, they like called me in and sat me down and had, they were both in like suit and ties and, you know, bring your husband. And I'm like, I keep him out of town. He's not coming. Um, and it was just, there. Yeah. yeah. And it, 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 I mean, they put the fear of God in me. They're like, trials do not have, you know, notoriously good outcome. Like that we can't guarantee a damn thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I understand that, but it was, it was my mom who gave me the advice there. Cause he's like, you need to talk to your people before you just make this choice. And I was like, okay. So I talked to my husband, I talked to my sister and I talked to my mom. That was like my inner inner. And my mom said, honey, you just, if you can make the decision that allows you to look yourself in the eye. Mm. And if you feel like it is best for whatever reason mm. to just take the plea at this point, then just do that. But know that you, you know, you're choosing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what it was. Like, I'd rather have been in jail with my integrity and be able yeah. to look at myself and say, that's, it's not, I yeah. didn't say, okay. Cause every single plea was an underlying assumption of guilt. <laughs> yeah. Nope. And yeah, my sister was like, Alex, that will tear you apart. And I was like, yeah, I know you're right. <laughs> well, we've talked about him a couple of times. James, our beloved James. So before we uh, hit record, you guys, um, Alex was telling uh, telling me that some readers tell her that they fell in love with her husband just as much as Alex has. And I have such a great feeling about him. I've seen him in your social media and I love how you guys like do yoga together and you just do things. But I truly appreciate this man. I feel like he's such a good man. Can you talk about how he supported you and just y'all's oh. relationship? I'm happily, um, I'm, I'm like getting chills right now. Just like thinking about him and he's downstairs. Yeah. (laughs) He really is. He's like a godsend for me. He's uh, my ideal partner. And even before this started, he's always just been about like, we're a family and family comes first. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And then throughout this, there was a, just a consistent presence of whatever it takes. We're going to do whatever it takes. He just took, he always has taken beautiful care of me. He knows how to love me really well. And that never, ever wavered. Mm -hmm. It was just, 
showing up, you know, he came to every court date I asked him to come to. And then again, like sometimes I'd be like, I got the, towards the, the middle and the end. I was like, I got this. Like, I, this is now I can do this in my sleep. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning, he was just like every, my sister would fly out every time too. Mm-hmm. It really was until my lawyer was like, okay, um, this is a marathon. <laughs> you don't have to fly out every, for every court date. Um, it, but yeah, yeah, no, James was definitely and continues to be just like one of the very best bright spots in any given situation in my life. Um, and he just never, he, he went through it too, you know, like it was something that he harbored as well. And he never once like made me feel like I had done this to, to our family. That is so amazing. Yeah. What a man. He just really showed up. I mean, as, as they were carting me away that day, September 1st, I'm like calling over my friend and come upstairs and she's like, what's happening? Like, where are you? What is this? And I'm walking away going, the tickets are on my bulletin board. Take her to the concert. And he's like, I'm not going to a Dixie Chicks concert tonight. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Alex, that is so funny. And so you, I mean. <laughs> I'm so sorry, take her to the show. I'll meet you guys there. <laughs> totally, mean- totally. And my friend who was there, like later said, she had posted when she got back, you know, she was visiting from out of town. And when she got back home, she just said, I, you know, she didn't talk about what happened, but she mm-hmm. said, I witnessed just an incredible display of partnership and love. And I mean, she had told me, she's like, my God, he just sprung to action. He was on the phone all night long, despite not even really knowing what was happening. Um, And he set up the bonds bailman and he set up the meeting with the lawyer and he was just like, go, go making calls and calling in favors. And like, yeah, he's, he's an amazing champion. You guys are just, you guys are such a great couple. I love seeing you. How many years had you been married when this happened? When it started? Um, four. Okay. Almost four. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then in addition to him, you have friends. Yeah. You have a lot of really great friends. And I mean, it's no surprise because, you know, what you put out, you get back. But man, it just made me, it just made me think about, you know, who, who am I going to show up for? And Maybe I need to start creating more relationships. It, you know, I've never been um, part of like a girl gang or mm-hmm. whatever. Like it's never been like, oh, me and Susie and Polly and Sarah. Like it's never been like the group. Yeah. I have like one-off friends or like a couple friends from every pocket of my life. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, I've moved a lot. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot and I usually come away with like at least one friend from each of the experiences. Uh-huh. And that, at that point in my life, I like called everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had like 75 phone conversations over the course of that weekend, <sighs> I, which I mean, I was never not on the phone yeah. over that. You know, when I was calling to say, my lawyers asked me if I could gather letters from people who know me know my character especially if you've seen me around kids 
especially if you see me around these kids. Yeah. And I just like, once I started, I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. It was like the support. And like I said, the people, and now some people I never heard from again. <laughs> so some people, oh my goodness, this is terrible. And then poof, they've been in my life, my whole life and gone. Wow. Have not heard word one since that conversation where they said, yeah, I'll write you a letter. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And then not only did the letter never show up, but just like radio silence. And I had some people who were like all in for the yeah. drama. They were at almost every court date, which was so appreciated in the moment. And then when I was on the other side of it, gone, ghosted me. So I've had, you know, it hasn't just all been sunshine and roses, yeah. but, um, but I would be remiss if I gave that my attention to that, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. so many people, and I'd say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life paying it forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I, I've tried, like I, it's, it's something I'll never be done doing. Right. Um, acting from a place of gratitude, not only for showing up for people. And I remember saying to my sister and my, my husband during the trial, like you guys, if we, this, if we ever know anybody who gets in a situation like this, we have to show up. Yeah. I did not. I initially said, I don't want anybody there. Mm-hmm. And she's Amelia in the book. She's Emily in real life. Mm-hmm. My, one of my best friends um, who lives in San Francisco, uh, mother to three young kids. So wasn't able to like physically be coming to Denver, but she orchestrated all of it. She had like spreadsheets for people to come and do shifts. And I mean, she just, she showed, she, everybody showed up. Right. But Emily like or, organized it. Mm-hmm. Cause I certainly didn't have that capacity. No. And uh, like I said, initially I was like, I don't, this is, and she's like, no, trust me. She's a, a former lawyer and she's okay. in a bunch of lawyer groups. Mm-hmm. And so she would crowdsource mm-hmm. and there were like people on her side of the courtroom that'll only help. And we had so many people there every day. In fact, one of the jurors wasn't supposed to talk to me, but she did. She said, we're trying to figure out who everybody is. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, they're talking about it. Like they're noticing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it made such a significant difference that I just sort of cemented like, I want, it's like, it's like you go from running a marathon and so appreciating the people who are aligned there being like, you've got this uh-huh. to hanging up your running shoes, but knowing the importance of showing up to the race still, yep. because you know what that feels like, you know mm-hmm. what that encouragement can do. It's like such a it can seem like such a small thing but it just it's gigantic yep well and the interesting thing is too you have all these people supporting you but on the other side it was weird yeah it was weird they you know not that yeah no it was weird it was weird they never none of them even came to hear what I had to say like Like they didn't I know a friend of mine was like, if my kid accused somebody of do, if I would be there staring them in the face, like I'd want to know what they had to say for themselves. Mm-hmm. They just nothing, nothing. They didn't listen to each other testify. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Ivy's mom was in the their side <laughs> of the you know I don't know audience isn't quite the right word, but like their side of the pews. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, it was just. They, yeah. And it was noticeable. I noticed that every day, uh, 
Loretta had friends from high school come testify. Mm -hmm. And every single person who testified said, well, we're not friends anymore. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. One, one boy was like, well, I remember the timeline. I remember that it was like spring break because by the summer we weren't friends anymore. Like, I don't, it, it was just really odd. It was, it, it felt odd to me. And I know, you know, different people have different types of relationships or whatever, friendship standards and all that. And that's fine. Um, but it was, it was just, it felt really strange. Really, they have family who live in, in Colorado and they just, but again, they, you know, they have other lawsuits, with some of these people too. So it's just, it was odd and yet not super surprising. So I was like, God, that's just, I really, I was so enamored with those children that it really was hard for me to see the forest for the trees when it came yeah. to like the type of people they were. Yeah. It's too bad. So yeah. I'm dying to know yeah. who has law and order SVU reached out to you. Is <laughs> anyone trying to make a movie about this? Because I feel it just needs to be more. I would love for that to be the case. Um, <laughs> not quite yet. I, you know, I, I, I published it in 21. So last year, which was just, there was no book tour. There was no, like, it was just such a weird time yeah. um, to be trying to get out into the world. I, I do want it to become a bit more. Like yeah. I would I love, 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 love. It's won awards. And so that's like a good you know, it's on the right track kind of thing. And it has, um, I have 112 reviews on Amazon, which is from what I understand, like, oh my gosh. Now, obviously some books have like 49,000 and whatnot, but they're, you know, working with publicists and they're, mm -hmm. and my little book is just sort of like the book that could. Um, and I cannot say enough how amazing it is. Thank you. Like, I could talk to you more, but because I also just want to know more about you. <laughs> well, one of the most interesting people like I I I know you but I don't feel like I really know you now like all right. these places that you've lived and all these things that you've done I'm like yeah. I feel like we just need more Alex oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> what 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 is next for you I mean you've got your new career your new job um are you planning on writing more I don't know honestly um I love writing and I always, I mean, forever and ever, I was like, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to write a book someday. Definitely. Definitely. And, uh, and as I mentioned, I had had a blog for about 10 years that were just stories from when I lived in Hawaii and stories from like my dating life and California and all this stuff, um, that I stopped right after I got married. Cause so I was like, it feels the, the 10 years versus like what's happening now are just very different. Yeah. But I closed up shop, but I used to say, Maybe I'm going to turn that blog like into a book. And then I had the falling out with the ex family. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to leave them out of the book. I'm not even going to mention them in the book. And then this should happen. And I was like, oh, they are the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I love writing. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it really honestly is like taking me baby steps to feeling like I'm out there again. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I have my Instagram and all that kind of stuff, but I will go like weeks without putting a thing up there. It's like my 
coaching Instagram. I even changed it from personal coach to just for fun. Because oh, wow. I was like, I just feel like I, it's, it's a little bit. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, what I'm actually doing for work now isn't what my website says that I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, I'm just like letting life show me a little bit what's next. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I manifest with the best of them, yeah. but I don't focus so much on like exact roles and positions. I'm more like, all right, I, I want abundance to come to me and I want my time to be my own and how that looks you know, let's see what happens. I love um, that so much, Alex, because, um, and not to talk about myself, but just to relate is I, I felt that a lot. And I feel like a lot of people are like, so what's next? What's next? And I'm like, that stresses me out. Like, I don't know what that looks like. So just let me like, see what unfolds. I know what I want. So very similar yeah. to you, but can we not put a label on it right now? Cause y'all are stressing right. me out. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, I, 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 I actually did an Instagram post about this, like however long ago now, um, where I said, I, I kind of just like where I'm at. Like, I just want to enjoy this. There doesn't have to be like, I mean, goals are great. Goals are, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for having a goal and working to get to it. Um, I just marched to the beat of a different drummer. (laughs) You do. That's why I need to know more about you. (laughs) Well, I'm always happy to chat with you, Kylie. Oh my gosh. Alex, thank you so much for your time. So if we want your book, which everyone's going to want it, do we just go to Amazon to buy it? Yep. You can, yes. You can go to Amazon. Um, I mean, it's also available on like barnesandnoble.com. You okay. can order it from your favorite local uh, independent bookstore. They have access to it. Okay. Um, so that's another option. Awesome. Do you plan on making it an audible or I don't even know how that process works. Yes. Yes. That an audible and a very small book tour. Those are like the next, yeah, (laughs) those are the next things that are kind of floating. What I understand about book tours, it's a self-published, I I worked with a self-publishing company um, to do it. And like I said, I don't have a publicist or like a marketing firm or anything like that. But what I, I understand it is you go, you just, someone in my shoes goes you pick cities where you know people Mm -hmm. and you could probably get like at least you know a dozen people or so to come and have a little whatever so I've got a couple cities like that Denver is one of them LA Santa Barbara Chicago Milwaukee um, where I'm from Mm -hmm. and so we'll see I mean there's also you know we moved here to Tennessee in 2020 I published the book in 2021 and I was like it's kind of strange to be like I'm a nobody here. Does anybody want to talk about the book? You know, like I don't have a, a crew here in any way, shape or form, but all the more reason to take the show on the road. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait till the Denver part because yeah. obviously I'll be there. <laughs> that would be a treat. Well, thank you so much again, Alex, for your time. I always love chatting with you and I can't wait to do it again. Thank you so much. It has been an honor and a privilege to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Far From Perfect. You may or may not have noticed I have stepped back just a little bit from 
podcasts this summer and um, work in general just because it's summertime and I've got my son at home and I'm, you know, I'm living what I preach and that is, you know, taking breaks when you can, keeping up something that is sustainable. So thank you so much for being here and allowing me to do that. I want to encourage you to do the same. Take those breaks when you can. Slow down when you can because you can pick back up anytime that you want. So I've already got some really fabulous guests lined up for the next month and I cannot wait to share them with you. Enjoy the rest of your day and I will talk to you soon. Keep on being far from perfect.